This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. I'm Dave Vanderveen. Uh, it's Kick Aspirational Podcast. For those who are new to it, it's all about breaking through barriers in your life. And today we are with Micah and Keely Sutta. Um, we uh, we actually just met this afternoon. We kind of <laughs> met online. We did, but we got together face to face the first time this lovely Sunday afternoon. Just a few yeah, just hours, hours ago. ago. Yeah, done at Adolfo's. Yes, it was delicious. It's Mexican food. food. It reminds from, us of the Mexican restaurant right down the street from our place. Actually, yeah, we're from Texas, so Mexican food is the way to our hearts. Always welcome. Wow. Yeah, got there quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we had a great conversation, and I kind of thought we were gonna. Have have a good one. Um, and Mark Fitzgerald, our mutual friend Mark. Shout out. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Our Kiwi Kiwi brother from yeah. uh, down under from another mother. He's he's Met one of the him connected within us. the week as well, so yeah. time is moving quick. Time's moving fast <laughs> here. Time does not stand still in Laguna Beach or New Zealand or or little Silver Armenia. Lake. Yeah, Little Armenia. <laughs> little Armenia. I gotta remember it's not Silver Lake, it's Little Armenia. Yeah, it's very specific. Very specific location. How small are the Armenians in Little Armenia? What's the uh, why is it called Little Armenia? Is a lot of Armenians there. Or uh, there were? A lot of Armenians. Uh, I think there were more back in the day, but um, most Armenians, I think, in the Los Angeles area are in Glendale. Okay. So I think Ooh. that's why our area is called Little just Armenia. A little, just a little, small of Just, a, in, uh, just in a touch of Armenia. East Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got a little sprinkle. <laughs> 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 are there Armenian restaurants in in Little Armenia? I. No, there no. are no. There's stores. <laughs> There's Mediterranean restaurants. Yeah, it's um, probably what Armenian food consists is. of. Yeah, they yeah. don't really advertise it as like come get our Armenian food though. Yeah, that yeah, yeah that we might shy, people might shy away from that. Our grocery store, John's, has a lot of Armenian products though. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. Yeah, like what? Um, candies. Okay. Um, uh, like sodas, like Armenian sodas oh, and wow. drinks and liquors. A lot oh, of Armenian wow. liquors. Yeah, they like to drink. Yeah, they're not afraid of a good, good shot of a cognac. I feel like cognac. is maybe their thing. Yeah. yeah, the brown stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's some version of that, right? Yeah, like yeah. I've had all. You get into like the, um, you know, to like well, Greece. You know, it's more like they have the ouzos, like the clear liquors mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. the brandies. Mm-hmm. But it's probably similar in Armenia. They've got a, sure. Everyone's drinking the same kind of either yeah. like a p- pastis or some kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but we met because you guys are doing uh, some pretty cool work. You have a, a podcast and a series you're putting out called uh, Backsliders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you also have a YouTube you have a, a YouTube show called Home. Is that we right? We do. We have a show that we released last year this time Yeah. called Home. Um, it's like six parts, and they're about 12 to 15 minutes apiece. Okay. So that show's like more narrative. The episodes are a little longer. They're like 12 to 15 minutes. So it's kind of like a movie split up into six parts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're making these primarily for, for like to share on social and to be to watch on YouTube? Yeah. And just to be creative people. We were actors yeah. first and moved to L.A. and figured out rather quickly that if we wanted to be doing fulfilling work, we needed to make it ourselves rather than waiting around for people to call us in a room to say a line or two. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we step out into uncomfortable places a lot. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And Sarah just came into the room, my wife, Sarah. Hello. Hi, yeah. Sarah. <laughs> she's, she's got her tuffet, and she's busy over there working away. <laughs> so, but there's also video pl- uh, recording, so um, so you might, might might have ended up on video. Oh, sorry. No, no it's, it's fine. It's fine. People are seeing all the <laughs> craziness in my house right now. The scenes. Uh-huh. Um, I wasn't really, you know, 
part of the pod, the fun of podcasts, I think, mm-hmm. is just kind of candid. Yeah, yeah. spontaneity. But I thought it'd be fun, you know, Mark turned me on to you guys because you're, you're talking a lot about the faith traditions you came out of, how you've kind of, um, I don't know if broken free is the right word, but found, found your own ideas, not just the mm-hmm. inherited ones. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's refreshing to a lot of people. Um, we were talking about this a little bit at lunch today, you know, a lot of people have, you, you, you deal with shame quite a bit on your podcast. Sure. Right. You practice yeah. shaming each other and you, you, you're really good at it. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> Got to get over it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we used to say in the Dutch Christian reform tradition, there's nothing you can't do so badly that a little shame won't make, won't make worse. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> or, or guilt, you know, guilt, shame. They're all kind of yeah, they're the brothers. same family. Yeah. 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 Stepsisters, I don't know something, yeah. but um, what kind of prompted you, or what's prompted you to focus your, your, you know, invest your time and effort into this category? Other than personal development, yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it's the best way we know how to communicate what we feel inside. Yeah. Um, Well, we always mine our lives for what's going on. You know, they say, write what you know. And um, over the course of our marriage, we've been married almost seven years now, and we've gone through a lot of therapy. And something that we're more comfortable talking about now in our marriage is the shame and the things that we, like, didn't want to talk about even Mm. while we were married in our early years. There are, like, still some things that we were uncomfortable revealing to each other for fear of being judged. And Mm -hmm. I think that came from experiences within our family or religion that there was, even with the person that you're supposed to feel the most most safe with, there was still like a fear of being fully seen because what if you don't love me? If you know, like this true, ugly bit of me, what are some of the things that you've shared? I don't want to dig into things you (laughs) haven't shared yet. We don't want to get into that here. No, but what are some of the things that you've shared that, or, you know, that what kind of feedback? So one, what have you shared? Um, that was surprising to each other or that, you know, maybe you were afraid to share to, to each other. Mm-hmm. And what sorts of things have you shared on your, you know, in your public personas in your podcasts or your shows that has gotten kind of the most response? Hmm. Two questions or three. You can answer them however you want. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering what you're thinking. I, I, I don't know. I think that early on the probably the most difficult things to share with each other were just those doubts of 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 going along with what everything was being said um, at church or what we thought we were supposed to believe as a couple that wanted to get married mm. like when we mm. were decided to get married like I asked a friend of mine who was like a youth minister to uh, to marry us and we were already living together. And because we were living together, he said he didn't feel comfortable marrying us. You're like, no, we've already, we've already done it. So it's fine. <laughs> and so, you know, you just start feeling like, oh, well, like, now what? Like, where can I go to find acceptance of this union that we want to create? Um, maybe there's other things we don't align with um, beyond I don't I don't know I feel like I'm rambling a little bit 
No, I mean, I think, I guess we at first felt like we still had to be like good, quote unquote, good Christian people. Yeah. And we kind of faced um, feeling like we weren't because we were comfortable doing things like living together, which implies that, oh, they're probably having a sexual life together before marriage. Well, I hope so, because if you're living together and you're not having a sexual relationship, then like what's what really going on? Yeah. 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 How does that work? Um, so I guess we felt judged by other people and kind of like we had to put on more of a, um, facade of being stronger believers and in a certain dogma that we didn't identify with anymore. Or stronger practices, stronger practicers of dogma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) we had to ask dogma practicers. (laughs) That'd be another good YouTube show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had to ask like three different people to marry us, and finally landed on I guess the coolest one. (laughs) So which uh, which was it? Like a Buddhist? Who did you? No, he was a friend of mine. Uh, His 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 brother in law um, was a friend of mine from college. And he was like uh, a Christian guy from the same church I went to throughout college, um, but he was like from the UK, mm. and so there was just like a little <laughs> different kind of like didn't have the same puritanical yeah, restrictions that other maybe, people did. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little less. Um, He'd already been through that in the law. UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. They weren't really they don't get hung up on that stuff. Yeah. If they do, they weren't going to have very many people in their church. Yeah, maybe he was more universalist in his heart and <laughs> accepting and loving. I don't know. He just he, he wasn't <laughs> just in touch with the times. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I think he still encouraged us to like sus- uh, like abstain from sex for like then on, like once he met with us, it was like, well, maybe like you just abstain for the next month. Here's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Try this. And we did. I think we did. We yeah. did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, friends, well, let's yeah. like make that night, you know, pretty explosive. <laughs> <laughs> so. You say explosive. No, yeah. No, no, that's good. Um, <laughs> we won't go into detail about that. But the, so you, you ended up, um, Kind of coming out of a, what was the tradition? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you came from. Yeah, I think that my journey and Keely's journey is. Or, you know what? We didn't finish that round. Sorry. Yeah. We started with what are the things that mm. you each were concerned about revealing to each other? Oh, and then this yeah. follow up question well, I think was. A lot yeah. of it was like sexual hang ups and sexual yeah. transgressions of our past. And. Um, that you had had other partners or something? Or? Other partners, just masturbation even was oh, like. Wow. We, we didn't big. talk about till. Five years into marriage. Oh wow! And well, wait, wait, wait! You guys have masturbated. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to stop I this confess. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need to leave. We need to be escorted out. We're dirty. Yeah. It, <laughs> I think that. I mean, it's like it's it is silly and fun now to like talk about it, but coming out of like quote unquote purity culture or like yeah. the only sexual education that I received was abstinence only, and you know, including yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not like, until your husband, not until you're married. My mom didn't Only talk one to person me can about touch sex. Yeah. <laughs> I was given, don't even clean it. <laughs> don't look at it. Don't I was given a book that I don't remember the title of the book, but it was like ways to like keep yourself pure as a girl, and it told stories about like the links that good girls would go to in order to not touch themselves. Uh, yeah. And one of the stories, like the the girl in her dorm room, she would get up and like literally pace the halls until she passed out from What's, exhaustion to keep herself from touching herself. Well, that, that lust hole will get her every time. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she rub those legs together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But there was such, like... Poor, a, poor a, child. 
a big fear of like being perceived as bad or dirty for like having sexual desires outside of like what we were doing that, um, that stayed so pervasive, even though we didn't go to church. It's not like I was still getting those messages. They were just deeply embedded in me. Um, and it was only through like therapy and becoming more comfortable with talking about those things with anyone that I, that we were able to, to tackle those things together. We made a short tackling this, this direct subject head on, which we haven't released yet. This is the first backslider short that we made, but it'll probably be the last one we release because... How many, how many do you have out so, so far? For, we for have about, one out right the now. The intro. That's the one that I mm-hmm. saw. Okay. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, you Thank guys you. are great actors. And oh, thanks. I would say actress, but we don't say that anymore. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> that's their term. That's <laughs> <laughs> their word. No, so but that's really good. I, I encourage people to watch it. And where, where where do people find it? I saw it on a friend's uh, Mark Fitzgerald's wall. Is Tasted it. it. Um, do you have backsliders on YouTube? Yes. Yeah, so our YouTube channel is the name of our production company, which is Bob Billiams. It's like Bob and Williams, but with a B. We wanted to make up a name because it's all us. So, yeah. so you're, which one's Bob? Uh, it's actually pronounced boob. No. <laughs> it's a long O. Yeah. A, uh, neither. We're both Bob. We're okay. both Bob. You're both we Bob and both Williams. Like, we make, wanted to create an alias that sounded like uh, like a wealthy official <laughs> guy that gets things done. Mm. And so, where's Bob Billions when we need him? Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, exactly. And, and people still to this day are like, "Who's this guy, Bob, that produces your stuff?" He's amazing. <laughs> One of the best. <laughs> One of the best. Yeah. Very. It's rich. like Sherwood Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> Got a great taste. Strangely, he's the son of Sherwood Schwartz. He just changed names later. <laughs> <laughs> we just laughed a lot when uh, Sarah doesn't know that joke because she grew up in Russia, by the way. Oh, I don't no, know if I know this joke. No, well, Sherwood Schwartz did like you know like all the like the Brady Bunch, all these mm-hmm. like when I was growing up all the reruns that we'd watch I was asked Sarah like do you remember that episode of Gilligan's Island and she's like nope and I'm like see yeah. Russian Russian yeah. wow yeah. Russian sleeper cell yeah Acting. Americans Americans <laughs> yeah <laughs> so sorry so um, um yeah so you can find you could an easy way is just to search backsliders series on YouTube or yeah. backsliders podcast and that'll lead you to our channel but, okay. Or you could go to youtube.com slash Bob Billiams Productions. I'm just going to Google Bob Billiams. Or, yeah, if, or if you him. go to BobBilliams.com, you'll see all of our stuff. <laughs> yeah. BobBilliams.com. That's so cool. Can I get a Bob? You have Bob Billiams merch on there? Uh, not yet. It's should, coming. Should, should, you want some? I do. We'll make I some desperately want a Bob Billiams uh, t shirt. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll or a hat. Bob. Yeah. Well, we, we just felt like it was ridiculous that. William could go by Bill. Yeah. So then we just were like, it should yeah, be, should be Bill. Yeah. It should be Billion. Yeah. Logically. Bill Shakespeare, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But the, um, so, so was most of the shame connected to sexual stuff? Huh. Um, that's a big thing for me. Yeah. I think that because I grew up in a Christian, I wouldn't even call it a denomination because my parents claimed that it was non-denominational, yet... Well, you have to tell us about this. Yeah, so what yeah. What was the non-denominational uh, thing you were in? So, my parents came out of a thing called The Way. A thing. Yeah. <laughs> a thing <laughs> called The Way in the 70s and 80s. And it was bigger than, like, the Moonies and the Hare Krishna for a while. And um, <laughs> I like that frame of reference, though. So yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just heard it recently, and I was like, what? Because everybody knows the Moonies and the Hare Krishna, but no, I, not that many people, I think, know of the way. 
Does that piss off people who are in the way? Like they're like, we could have like, been. We could have been. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all should have wore something that was really noticeable, guys. The uniform. But I think they just blended in because they they just looked like Christians, right? <laughs> and um, and they were Christian. So yeah, there's yeah. that. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you should do a documentary. I mean, there was that new. What was the one we just watched? The um. Old night was it? Wild country. Wild country. Oh, yeah. wow. wasn't that fascinating? Yeah, well, terrifying. It, what was the name of that group? The um. Raj, Rajnishis. The Rajnafarians. The Rajnishis. So the Rajnishis yeah. apparently had a camp in Laguna Canyon. Well, I believe it. One of my buddies, Pat Parnell, who's been on this podcast, his parents were Rajnishis. Whoa. Wow. And so then I was like, dude, you got to ask your parents because they're split up now. But he's, I was like, you got to ask him if they like just part of these wild orgies like, yeah. like what was going on and I don't think he's gotten there yet so yeah. and I don't think his parents listen to this podcast so we're okay no, but, we should have him on yeah but so so your, your parents were in the way they were which, in their way which, which got you into the way well they were kind of leading the way right after I was born but then they kind of started their own way yeah what was that called uh, well, the house that we lived in was called the Ephesians House. Okay. So we had like a sign in front of our house called the Ephesians House. So people knew where it was. So mm-hmm. people knew that we were starting a cult. <laughs> 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 and all were welcome to join yeah. and move in the house if they wanted to. Didn't you yeah. have a sign leaving too? That's uh, no, that was when we moved to another house. Oh. Uh, and I made a joke when we were at lunch. I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, you know it's a cult if there's rampant sex and there's like yeah. you know um, lots of guns and ammo yeah and, and, and you know some tactless clothing but you said I still have ammunition stockpiles <laughs> that my dad had for sure because part of the way training was like survival yeah uh, they the would times. do like challenges of like hitchhiking across the country with only $20 in their pocket and they were more godly if they got there with the $20 in their pocket. You wow. know, like Big faith weird tests. things. They like preach to trees in the woods to practice proselytizing. Mm-hmm. Um, they got married in a group of like 17 other couples on the same day. Yeah. Um, just stuff that does seem cult-like. Um, <laughs> there was also, the was also the leader that, yeah, was abusing women and that kind of thing and yeah. a lot of suicide came out of the group and it's pretty unhealthy in a lot yeah, of ways yeah yeah but the Ephesians house was a step in the right direction it was a step in the right direction I think it was a lot of the same doctrine minus the abuse yeah um, but I don't think that my parents realized the amount of bu- abuse that they were still um, unhealed from or even addressing yeah in, in we're, a, in we're a psychological Manner. Were some of those practices part of your upbringing? Like, did, were they kind of expressing some of those things when in in their behaviors? Yeah, I think that you know, I think there was still still definitely an air of like, um, I don't know, like uh, shaming anybody that didn't believe the way they did. Or, or elitism of belief. You know, my parents believed that they had, like, the translation of the Greek and Hebrew, Hebrew text that they learned through the way more accurately than any other denomination out there. And so they were blessed and mm. anybody that walked in the doors. and So you guys had secret information that nobody else had? For sure, secret information. Yeah. Oh, you're so lucky. I know. It's nice that God gave that to the way. Yeah. With the ammo and yeah. the special survival You know, training. like, I remember a big thing as a kid was, like, you know, David... And Goliath was like, Goliath didn't get hit in the forehead with a rock. He got hit in the shin. Um, Wow. Okay. mm -hmm. 
And then, uh, then he fell over, and then they did, David cut his head off. It's still the same ending of the story, yeah. but the beginning is important, too. Yeah. Um, things like there were four people on the side of Christ at his crucifixion instead of the two. There was actually two on each side. Hence Bob Billiams uh-huh. and the other guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what was it? Oh, it was a tree and not a cross. My parents hated the symbol of the cross. Did they uh, wear symbols of trees? Uh, no, just no symbols. A lot of doves. They were into doves. Oh, doves are good. Yeah, because of hope. Well, that, well, I like hope. I like hope. Yeah, yeah hope I'm down with hope. Good. My dad ended up getting hope tattooed on his arm. Um, in his last, later years? Yeah, yeah. When he was probably like 65 or so. I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with hope. <laughs> no, 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 there's not. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what keeps us going to some degree. Mm-hmm. And Keely, you had some issues too with your... I mean, you were not really raised specifically. I mean, you were raised kind of Christmas and Easter, Easter yeah, Catholic. Yeah, Catholic. My mom took us mainly on holidays, but she did have like weird religious hangout. Like, I, I guess I had a lot of colic when I was a baby. Like, I screamed all the time. Yeah. And I. I did too, by the way. This work, yeah. I think that's Made a good sign. A <laughs> yeah. Stubborn personality. But I, I remember her telling me that or she just checked tummy issues. me. Yeah. <laughs> or, or that yeah. acid. Um, she told me that she like checked me for marks of the devil. So I think within Catholicism, she there's a lot it? of no. Well, then you're yeah, that's good. I guess I'm fine. What did she know? What marks of the devil would look like? Exactly. Six six six. I don't know. What have you seen in a movie? I would be worried if I saw six 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 on my kid. Whoa. <laughs> what are I the guess odds? It is literal. <laughs> <laughs> or a barcode, maybe. Like. Yeah, or a barcode. <laughs> I would definitely scan it, though. I'd see what came up, you know? 1299. Hold on. Maybe we still owe something. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like so, horns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what the more. Tail. That's a good question. I should ask her now. I wonder what her answer would be. Hmm. Um, but holiday only, mainly, other than um, some fear based stuff. And then I went to a mega church when I was in high school and really responded to their message of like god wants a relationship and he's a loving dad and he cares about you and you can have a purpose and so it was like all in in this church it was do you like those things do you think those are good things or bad things i think they're good it's the fine print that i have Mm. a problem with it's the conditions that are like you know, you find out as you keep He's going. He's a loving dad, but if but, you don't say the right words. Or if you touch yourself, yeah. you, you know. You could be in hell for the rest of all eternity in yeah. conscious torment because yeah. he's like Hitler, only he won't kill you. Yes. So, like, that is bothersome, and eventually that's why I stepped away. I mean, I was there for, like, four years. I even did my my first year um, of college at a Christian university. And then there's also a complicated story of my... Do you know what a home group is? Do other churches do that it's like a small group gathering oh yeah 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 um so you have like a like a small group that you meet with yeah like for more personal discussion yeah so when i was in high school i had a small group leader who gave me a lot of attention he was like a good influence in my life for a while and then as soon as i turned 17 he started um doing very inappropriate things with me and i was kind of groomed to be responsive and open to that because i had built a a trust in this like godly man. So there's that complicated story. Yeah. Wow. Um, which I'm like still working through in therapy, which is, um, there's that reason why I kind of stopped and wanted to not go to what I felt like was a very controlling environment. And then there was this very controlling person and a lot of conditions placed on like what was okay and what was not okay. And then I went to the Christian school and I was away from that person and kind of was like, what am I doing? Why am I even involved in this kind of organized religion, which seems to 
not make me feel loved and accepted, but feel shamed and like I'm not ever following the rules good enough. Yeah, but they're conditions of control, which can easily be abused, right? And I think the problem is that humans will tend to abuse power when they have the opportunity. Yes. In my my opinion. I mean, that's why we have controls on power in the U.S. government, which apparently we just ignore. But the, the (laughs) the idea is that structurally we should not allow people to have unhindered power. Exactly. Or too much direct control over other people. Yeah, and when there's not a check and balance and it, things can easily go very awry. And I, I do feel like there's a larger problem in a lot of churches where they're not um, willing to like look at abuse or the complexity of, of sexual abuse enough to do something about it because they're so uncomfortable with the fact that it can happen and with sex in general. Well, it's usually a leader who's being accused. Mm-hmm. Right? I think most churches don't have good mechanisms for managing conflict, mm-hmm. yeah. just in general. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean... Usually the church is all about getting along and keeping it smooth, and there's not like a formats for discussion debate or even confronting somebody about something as awful as pedophilia or or those types of sexual abuse issues that pop up. Yeah. I mean, look at the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, as an example, not that that they're necessarily worse than any other one. I mean, I think, and I'm not trying to excuse them, I think any church that has that kind of, allows that kind of controlled individuals Mm -hmm. will have those sorts of problems Mm -hmm. because that's what people do. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's specifically Christian or Roman Catholic or Buddhist or, I mean, in almost every situation where you have churches or spiritual leaders that have that level of control, you almost always end up with some forms of abuse that occur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless there are checks and balances on that person. Mm-hmm. And, how, and how do you yeah, do, how that? do you do that? Well, you know, it has to almost be self-imposed. I mean, one of the yeah, things yeah. I do actually like about Billy Graham is, you know, he didn't just have his, his board was never just yes men. Like he was accountable to his board. He mm-hmm. designed it that way. He put a lot of checks and balances on his own life. He traveled with somebody who stayed in his room, mm-hmm. but, you know, another guy, doesn't make him gay. Just makes him, you know, but <laughs> no. But I think you know his. He was really concerned that you know it's it's very natural for people to be allured by power to uh-huh. try and pay themselves more. It's easy to justify. We can rationalize almost anything, right? Mm. And he, I'm sure he had a lot of opportunities to do things that wouldn't have been appropriate as a married pastor. Sure. And so he, I think he tried to build in safeguards. Um, yeah. You know, maybe, maybe he knew he couldn't trust himself even to some degree. Yeah. I mean, I think none of us can, right? I mean, ultimately, you know, hopefully we do well, but I think if we left to our own devices, most of us cheat, most of us lie, most of us make mistakes. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're, that's why we're made out of people. Yeah. Mm, yeah. We're imperfect. Yeah. Um, and I think the challenge becomes like, to your point, you know, you, we've all been around religious organizations that try and codify or create dogma to try and help people not get into problems. Sure. But then it gets taken to an extreme or two. Like I, I always think like the, the first, you know, the, the first guy who has this great experience and creates the following and then starts, you know, starts to codify it probably means well, but then the followers always end up like building more structures on top of that sure. until you get to this point where like, what are we even doing anymore? And mm-hmm. probably if the original guru or spiritual leader, whoever it was, came back and saw what was going on, they'd be like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Yeah, I think Jesus like, would be very like, confused by all of yeah. the religions. I wasn't trying name. to start Christianity, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have put my name on it if I wanted to. Right? Yeah. But also like, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he never called himself the Christ as an example, I don't think, but also, like the, you know, if even if you read like John Calvin, who was a reformer, you know, kind of Protestant reformer in the 1600s, 
he literally says, I'm trying to, to explain what I've experienced or what I've observed. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm not doing it well. And I'm afraid that in the future, people are going to get this wrong. Like sure. when he's talking about predestination, wow. which isn't, gets, in my opinion, kind of gets taken wildly out of context. But the, um, I think anyone who's got, who's had some kind of a eureka moment or kind of spiritual awakening or, and then tries to write it down, you realize the words just don't capture what you're trying to... We don't have enough words to yeah. describe the universe. Or divinity. <laughs> right. And then you yeah. end up with a group of followers who, one, aren't questioning you enough, two, are just trying to, you know... Because they just want the answers. They don't want... They, they, they're yeah. not really... Yeah, they t- I thought you said you had the book. <laughs> Where is it? Which one is it? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> what do I do next? Yeah. Yes or no? And, and then, and then I, I think... hate myself for? And you end up... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't feel guilty yet. I don't know. It's real. Um, but, but I think that the other thing is you get a lot of people who follow, who become leaders, and the people who are attracted to leadership in those types of organizations often aren't the people you really want leading them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're people who want it for the wrong reasons. Right. Like it's maybe the only way they get leadership or it's, you know, it's, um, it's kind of a little bit of a bully mentality, right? Where they're, they're mm-hmm. not, they're not really rec- you know, they haven't recognized themselves enough. They don't have enough freedom themselves to, to help other people liberate themselves. Like in, in our day and age, it's not that hard. I would imagine to get people to trust your, your biblical sermon. Right, especially like if you can right tell a good story. Right now on YouTube, right. you could just start reading the Bible and get a couple thousand views because they're already they're already sold. You don't have to work on anything other than attach yourself to pre-established, uh, popular following. Right, and then just rift on some version <laughs> yeah. of it, right? Yeah, because yeah. they're already accepting it as the word of God because they've been told well, to the, accept it. I think particularly, that. too, if you take a point of view and you go down that point of view and you you'll start to create a following of people who are just like-minded. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you can take Bubble. them places, I think, pretty easily. Yeah. So what are the things that you've talked about, you know, and, and so whether it's um, shame around being part of, you know, organizations that we weren't happy with in the end or sexual issues or mm. touching yourself or whatever, what are the <laughs> things that have, you know, people have responded to that you've had the most feedback on? Uh, from people that have watched it? Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I think I've been surprised by some people. I think I've been surprised by a lot of the crickets mm. to some degree. Um, just people that I thought would either have something snarky to say or something more more concerned to say. Um, but I've also been surprised or maybe not that surprised about some people that, that have been commenting on like, you know, I just want to let you know, like, I love you no matter where you are on your journey. Uh I, I, I support your healing in Christ. You know what I mean? Like they've still kind of have to like get their, I think they, I think I'm surprised and saddened that they think it's about them. Like, yeah. like they think they hurt me along the way or something. And mm-hmm. they're like, I haven't thought about you in years. Yeah. Um, I, I don't harbor any resentment for you. I just, I'm sharing my experience because I feel like, not a lot of people are sharing their experience because they're afraid to share their experience. And so I'm trying to be as honest as I can be. Mm. I think that's why we call it backsliders because it's like we want to have, it's, it's like, it, it feels easier to start something called Christ Crusaders <laughs> uh, than it does to start something called backsliders where people feel safe to, to share and expose their doubts and share and expose their journey that most people have told them to like, don't speak of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, I don't know where I'll be in 50 years, but I'm here now and I think that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think to your point, like there's a lot of people who are not comfortable at all with, you know, uncertainty or doubt or, yeah. or mystery. Right. Right. And we talked about, I think a lot of people, you know, go to a church because they want the answer key yeah. and they want yeah. it to be fairly binary, right? Mm-hmm. True, yeah. false. What, what, is it true or false? Just tell right. me. Just, yeah. yeah. Just give me the are answer. Are you going to heaven or hell? That's all I need to know. <laughs> you know. Well, where am I going? You know, <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. But I think, um, and yeah, I mean, I just, if you've, on this podcast, we talk about a lot, you know, that maybe wrestling with the mysteries more what it's about than getting the answer right. And yeah. maybe if you have the answer, maybe you're doing the work wrong because I'm not sure we're supposed to have all the answers. Yeah, I think, how do you get that? I mean, this is my opinion, but I think the whole human experience is, is that mystery. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, we, miss, we miss the human experience by saying, like, I got the answer and I can't wait till the end to get to the other side. Right, <laughs> you know right. I mean? yeah. To make sure I got it right. Yeah, because this, this place sucks. It's miserable. <laughs> yeah, it's not my home anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that felt really liberating to, like, step away from in terms of, like, a, a Christian belief that we were taught a lot in our upbringings, which is, like, this world is not your home. Just a passing through. Yeah, <laughs> which... which Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. like, right now it is. We are here Pretty right sure we now. we live here right now, and that's yeah. all we kind of know. Yeah. 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 And if you create a fear around that, or you're trying to teach kids to separate themselves from that, you're really kind of stealing a vital part of the human experience from them. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's been really liberating to start. Ma- we just released Backsliders a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. So okay. we're still, you know, just starting to hear. That's pretty fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. very fresh. But it's been liberating in one sense that it's like, hey, we're putting this out there. This is who we are. We're being very vulnerable and sharing how like we believe differently than we were taught and maybe how we would believe if we had stayed in our hometowns. Like, hey, here we are. This is what we think. And like my mom has expressed a fear that we're going to hell because I'm and your mother's still Roman, like a Roman Catholic Christmas and Easter, or is she? I, d- I don't I think know, she's Catholic. The last Catholic. time she's been to church, yeah, I, probably a Christmas mass though. She's got a boyfriend <laughs> who's very religious. I don't know his exact. He won't marry her because he's been married before, though. Mm-hmm. He won't buy alcohol, but he'll drink hers. <laughs> They're very interesting. He's a very fascinating, <laughs> fascinating man. But she kept repeating this phrase. Like, I like some of these. I'm, gonna, I'm taking notes now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, honey, I'm not going to buy drink, and I'm not going to buy alcohol, but I'll drink yours. <laughs> and that's fine. It's also a great way to keep your bar tab down. <laughs> yeah, he's just frugal. I have a sip of yours. That's it. Yeah. Um, also, could you make yourself a gin Lord, tonic? I didn't order it. <laughs> <laughs> We're good, right? It's, this woman who keeps feeding yeah, it to me. It's the apple. She keeps giving me the apple. I've been apple. overserved. <laughs> These eaves, man. These <laughs> eaves. <laughs> I'm sorry. This uh, guy who was our lobbyist, um, his wife is from the South, and he said, you know, they would have these family parties, and like, if you had a uncle who drank too much at the parties, they would never say Uncle, Mo- you know, uncle Roy was drunk. They'd say... Well, you know, Uncle Roy was overserved. <laughs> overserved. <laughs> like, you know, it's we got to place the blame on someone. Yeah. yeah, of course, it's not Roy's fault. But anyway, so your so your um, your mother was concerned about has been concerned about this, but she's not terribly. Uh, she seems to just want us to be in heaven. That's like mm. her main focus now. I don't know if it's age and getting closer to. She's like, I just want to know life. that if I'm going to heaven, if you're going to be there too. And she kept repeating, like, but you okay. still believe Jesus is your. <laughs> I don't think we can know that. Yeah, I think it's just like a. She just 
make a certificate. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> be by the big fish. Yes. <laughs> yes. With our crowns. Oh. Um, yeah, I think it's just a security thing for her, which I understand. It's coming from a place of love. Like, she yeah, wants to she know means her well. kids yeah. are yeah. not going to suffer eternal damnation. And I told her, like, well, I just don't believe in a God that is eternally damning people. And she's like, well, he doesn't want to. God has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But His kingdom, not mine. That's one I've heard recently. Yeah. yeah. His well, kingdom, like, not mine. I'm like, dude, I don't want to hang out in his kingdom, man. <laughs> like, it's like that. Yeah. Why is it like or, that? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like this, when medical marijuana was popular, you know, I, I now it's legal, but the, uh, I used to say, I don't like marijuana. My doctor makes me smoke it. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's, but yeah it's, I had uh, cataracts for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Self inflicted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, I think there's a South Park episode about that. But the, uh, you know, I think the, to your point, it's, it's this, um, you know, parents are concerned about their kids. Sure. And right. they want the best for you and they mm-hmm. love you. And even if your mother isn't probably terribly religious, mm-hmm. she's clinging to something that she hopes, you know, it's going to be like your eternal life insurance. It sounds mm-hmm. like. Yeah. One thing I, I just recently started thinking about and haven't finished thinking about it. Um, eternal life has nothing to do with the afterlife. It's the prior life too. Mm. So why are we all, you know, we're, we're hung up on the afterlife when we think of eternal life, but we don't think about what was before this. Yeah. What was before now? So it's the life prior to the life that we have. If if it's eternal life, it should be ongoing. Yeah, it never it, it never start? started. Yeah, I mean those are um, <laughs> those are the big questions. Right? I mean that's why that's why some you know I, well and, and and I think what's really so I've also been thinking about this. Yeah, and I you know one of the things that's interesting is we're learning about DNA that you know the, that our DNA. Um, as obviously heavily influences a lot of the decisions and behaviors that we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is nature and nurture, but I think, you know, the evidence seems to be coming out a lot stronger on, on nature lately mm-hmm. that our DNA and the things that we inherit actually define us more than we probably like. Um, it depends on what you inherit, but you know, mm. um, but also the, um, you know, the fact that, that your environment and how you live actually starts to affect your DNA. Mm. So, you know, you have these concepts of like the sins of the fathers meted out on their children mm. um, in a way that's that's sort of true. Also, in a way, we become reincarnated through the mm. offspring that we pass on and the sure. people that and we're kind of, you know, we inherit what's made before us or the people that come before us. Yeah. Um, I, I can't speak to reincarnation specifically yeah. or, you know, or right. where we go when we die, but at least with DNA, we have pretty solid evidence that, you know, there, there, there is a part of us that is definitely passed on that strongly, you know, influences who we become. Yeah. But I think, you know, it gets back to that question. So, you know, where do we come from and, and who are we before we're this? And right. then the other question is, do we go somewhere after we pass through this phase and, and who do we become then? Yeah. Do you like the idea that, um, I know Bono's talked about this, a lot of people have talked about, you know, bringing heaven to earth, you know, in the, mm. the Lord's Prayer it says, you know, on earth as it is in heaven mm. and there's been a lot more focus lately, I think, on getting this right mm-hmm. rather than worrying about where you end up afterwards. Yeah. Which is something we can't really control apparently. I mean, mm. I think we definitely think a lot about the world that we're creating as even our own personal heaven or hell, for right. sure. Um, Didn't Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is within? Did he say that? It seems maybe. 
Well, in the way, uh, they have a special translation. <laughs> without. <laughs> it is without. <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> One of the, you know, you were saying, when we were talking earlier, you were saying that in the way you had your own translations and your own um, mm-hmm. secret code decoder rings. But I think the... One of the one of the things one of the tools that's really interesting today. I think we did this in chapter four of the Love Wins Companion Guide, mm-hmm. when Rob was talking about hell and where some of his ideas about hell, you know, had come from. I uh, had a number of different voices that were in the book, and one of the ones was um, an ancient languages scholar, a kind of well-known ancient languages scholar, you know, mm-hmm. from Hebrew, Greek, and and um, and Latin, and he said, rather than, and I said, you know, do you agree with what Rob said here? And could you help us with this chapter? And he said, well, rather than me put my personal opinion into this, he said, you know, I don't think he disagreed with Rob. I think what he said, rather than get into that argument, why don't we just give people the tools to look for it themselves? And you can use blueletterbible.org, which mm-hmm. is a website that literally you can look up any word mm-hmm. and it gives you each of the, you know, each of the ancient languages, the right. concordances that go with it. Yeah. So you can actually read it for yourself. Sure. Which wasn't available, um, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting how yeah. some of those tools are just Concordance more available Concordance is a very now. familiar word in my family. Yeah, you guys have been using that for a while. Oh, yeah, it's a very way thing. <laughs> yeah, it's way, yeah. The concordance referencing, yes. Looking up the different opinions. Yeah. Which is, I guess, interesting to me because it's still like... Um, it's still translating a translation, right? Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, especially if you're going from the Latin, right? Yeah. I mean, you see, so you have a one. Well, I mean, like even even once you get it to one that you can understand, um, like there's languages that have words that we don't have, and there, right. there's your understanding of a word that's different than my understanding of a word. So it's it's like looking to the physical world to to explain. The spiritual world, I think, is like such a follyful game. You know what I mean? Like, well, 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 you know, one of my favorite to, to that point. One of my favorite words that you can put into Blue Letter Bible is unicorn. Okay. What? Yeah, because unicorn occurs in the Latin uh, in the Latin version of the Bible. Uh, I think. Were eight, they on the Ark? Like eight times. It's probably it's probably like a. I, I, I mean, the way that I would giving the the translators, the Latin scholars, you know, the um, benefit of the doubt. Um, I think they were taking a word they didn't have a word for. Some like there's a there's references to a very strong or mythical beast mm-hmm. mm. that we don't have good words for like because Sasquatch. it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Where it's yeah. um, it's an oxen, like some mythically strong oxen that's in there a few times. Mm-hmm. But the if you when you type in unicorn, it, you, the, the Latin is unicornium. Um, it comes up over and over, and, and when you read the English text with unicorn in it, it just sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was one of my favorite um, yeah. kind of rebuttal techniques when somebody was being too literal in their, in, in my opinion, they were being overly literal in their translation of the mm-hmm. of the Bible, like yeah. missing the fact that there's allegory, myth, and parables throughout it. Right. Yeah, I'd say, well, do you believe in unicorns? And they'd say, well, what, no, what, of course not. You know, it's like, well, you know, they're literally in the Bible, like over and over again. <laughs> I'm gonna have to send that one to my mom. Yeah, she's a Pretty very liberal. against unicorns. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's in there. It's in the Latin version, so you know, if you, she might not trust the Roman Catholics. But the, um, the, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's just you know, it's it's kind of ironic that that we have these tools now that can show us maybe that the liter- that are very literal that show us that the 
you know, that the literalness of it is probably not the best way to use the Bible. Yeah. I think it was St. Saint, uh, Augustine who said, um, literal truth is for children. Mm. Oh, I like that. You know, meaning that the bigger truths can't really be contained in literal mm-hmm. uh, versions. You need myth, allegory, mm-hmm. parables. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if God really was among us walking the earth, mm-hmm. you know, in this person, Jesus, mm-hmm. and God wanted to literally be true in everything that God said, Jesus had plenty of opportunities to do that. But it seems like every time somebody asked him a pointed question, he would revert to a story or revert to some, yeah. some, some kind of structure that was, could, could contain a much bigger truth than the specific questions one was asking at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if you agree with that, but that, that's... At least appropriate for the time that he was living. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because well, if he was here today, he'd probably be telling much different stories about... Sure. You know, instead of heaping coals upon your head, like giving, <laughs> giving, <laughs> giving you a battery charger for your phone. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> so part of it is understanding the context of the stories he's, he's talking about, right? And yeah. then secondly, I think it's just also giving space for that story to yeah. hold something bigger than the, the answer he's giving for that sure. person at the time. But I like that that quote that you said about children, though, because they really do want literal answers. I mean, they're here. They want to know how things work, and they won't stop asking questions until you've explained to them how this light bulb is, is turned on. Right. But at some age, we should stop asking questions and just listen to it, the it, guy that in town we've decided gets to answer all our questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, but, oh, but children also love myth, allegory. That's true. Parable. I mean, I think both are appropriate. Um, and I think what St. Francis was, or not St. Francis, what St. Augustine was trying to say was that, you know, look, yeah, start there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the obvious tactic, tac- tactile truths are, are a good place to start. To build but there's a lot bigger questions and there's a lot bigger truths, but you're going to have to wrestle with them. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't get, get there. it in one sitting. Yeah, you can't yeah. get there on multiple choice, and you can't get there on a true false answer. Wait, we're answer not going to figure this out right now. <laughs> it's answer C. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll be about Just always go C. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, so what's so you guys have been in you? Tell us, tell us a little bit about how you met and how you ended up in California. We met in a play yeah. in Austin. I was. I guess it was the summer before my senior year of college, and Micah had moved back from L.A. to Austin for a couple years, mm-hmm. and um, we met in a small black box theater production um, of a play that he was playing a, a gay prostitute, and I was playing... Was the, the third play that was disappointing my parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're both, a, you're both gay and a prostitute. Uh, uh, yeah, my parents would label me a homosexual sympathizer. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> that I... That I wasn't uh, against them. I don't know <laughs> that, I, that I had love in my heart for them. Yeah, it's so unchristlike <laughs> to love. Um, yes, yeah, so we met in this play and really kind of hit it off and and became best friends really quickly and started talking about all the things we would like to make together. Um, and then I finished school and we moved out here together mm-hmm. and started slowly making films and like short projects together. And then um, we, we had our first project we made together was a, a short series, six vignettes. They're like three minutes a piece. And it's called Talk. And it was just our first year of marriage. And we just decided like, you know, all these weird random conversations that we have, let's just remember them, write them down and then turn them into a short little series. So it's like, um, 
talk uh, while it's still interesting is kind of the tagline. Oh, cool. Is, this, is that on Bob Billiams? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's on Bob Billiams as well. <laughs> BobBilliams.com? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, another so that's playlist. the beginning of our journey together. It was kind of, I mean, he had done um, stand-up comedy and we had done improv and you had taken writing classes mm-hmm. and I had done storytelling, but talk was our first like venture into writing. It's, it's kind of narrative, um, but it, it was based on conversations that we had. It was like a way for us to ease ourselves into this whole writing thing because yeah. we identified as actors first. And yeah. there's always fear into doing something that you haven't established yourself as an expert in. We didn't have a degree yeah. in yeah. writing. Can we write? Can we direct? Do we Can have permission to, to do this? Premiere or whatever. Do you, yeah. have, do you have a degree in podcasting? Oh, yeah. Yes. Good. Cool. Yeah, yeah perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was our first writing, directing, um, acting project. And then we did a short film. And then we did Home, which we wanted um, to challenge ourselves with that to do like an episodic story. Yeah. Um, to, to have an arc and to see our characters change and evolve and, and wrap things up. And can we do this? Can we be our own like mini showrunners? Yeah. And we spent our life savings on it, like everything that we had saved up from working our shitty day jobs for five years. I mean, she didn't like me for, for stockpiling <laughs> our money in a sock, you know, in the, in the We closet. did have some fights where I was like, why are, are we keeping all of our money in here? And he's like, we're going to make something. <laughs> and then eventually we did. In December of 2016, we... Yeah. we um, and we just wanted to make it like, it was like our film school, because we'd never been to film school. And this was talk, or this is... This is this home. Is home. This is the new, okay, this is so home. So we made talk, and then we're like, now we're going to make something bigger. We're going to take on like much more of a of a challenge, mm. and um, that was the the challenge of making something narrative and episodic. We wrote it for nine months. We took advice from uh, we heard Mike Berbiglia on a podcast oh, yeah. saying that he yeah, had like paid his friends in pizza yeah. for giving him advice after doing readings. So we did a couple readings like with friends, and got reads. notes from them. He's brilliant. What was the movie he came out with like a year or two ago? Um, um, the improv one. I always forget the title. So good. It's too. like something so about good. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Do you don't think that? twice. What was it called? Yeah, don't think don't twice. Don't think twice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so good. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, um, he was he a big inspiration is. for us, Pete Holmes, like other people who have like taken their life story and made something out of it. Yeah. And so we made Home. We finished it. And it paid off more than we thought because we, we decided after we made it, we were just going to release it, put it on the internet and see what happened or just release it because that's why we made it. Mm. Um, and then we were like, well, maybe we'll submit it to a couple of film festivals. So we submitted it to a handful of film festivals. And then it ended up getting into Tribeca in 2018, and we were like, "That's what? huge! Yeah, that's it was great. crazy." Micah was in Tijuana, Mexico, yeah. taking care of his dad, who was like very sick with cancer. Like we thought he was about to die. His dad had just yeah. fallen, and he was receiving treatment. And I, I called him, and I was like, "We just got in Tribeca," and he was like, "Holy shit!" And then like, he, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> I just fell in the shower. Yeah. Oh no! It was like such yeah. an example of like a high and a low at the same time. Is your dad living in Tijuana? Or was he no, we just there? went down there for um, ten days for a for a treatment, kind of like that, an emergency that they don't offer here in the states. And okay, it helped him. It helped him get back on his feet for two years. So awesome. You know, over the course of seven years, we, my sister and I, did a lot to help bend time and and give him the as possible of a pain free life as he could have and and the most quality and extended life he could have. And I think it, it gave him a lot more because at seven years prior to that, he had, uh, 
been told he was had three to six months, like right. get your stuff together. Hmm. And then my sister took him to the Bahamas for some treatment that bought him five years. Wow. And then he came back pretty strong. And then, um, I showed up and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I thought he was going to die in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then, so him and he was remarried and him and his wife, I was like, there was no way he was going to get enough weight on him to even qualify for chemo. They were trying to get him on chemo and he, he wasn't going to do chemo anyways. Yeah. Um, and so I just found this place and surprisingly it was in Tijuana. There's like a bunch of these alternate treatments in mm-hmm. like Germany and then actually in Tijuana and mm. it sounds Tijuana, Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Tijuana, Germany. Um, there are some shady ones in Tijuana, and then there are some that, that come Legit, to Legit, yeah. yeah. And the, um, what, what sort of cancer, if you don't mind me asking, what sort he, of cancer it, do you It's have? very common, prostate cancer. Oh, he yeah. had just um, been exposed to Agent Orange in Vietnam. Mm. So when he found it, it was pretty late term. It was like a PSA of 9 out of 10. Whoa. So it was very advanced. It was like um, not, they couldn't remove his prostate. It was already so... It already spread. Mm-hmm. Well, it hadn't like spread out. They just... He just wasn't a candidate for removal. Okay. Um, but then they went, they had this treatment in the Bahamas, which was like high intensity frequency ultrasound. Okay. And that kind of just blasted it. Yeah. Um, and slowed it down. He did um, radiation and hormone therapy for the five years that kind of just kind of kept it at bay. Mm. And then and then it did end up metzing to his hip and to his bone. Yeah. And then, it's, it's, and then it's so, good. yeah, he... Uh, he lost like 70 pounds and like, like we were there for Thanksgiving and then like, I think it went there in February, he lost like 50, 60 pounds. Wow. That's crazy. So it was like, whoa, what happened? And like, how did y'all not catch this faster? <laughs> yeah. But he was also one of those kind of guys that didn't want to go to the doctor. He was also very much like, um, if I think it's not happening, it's not happening. If I think I'm healed, I'm healed. Yeah. So there was some like until you find out you're really not. And it's, yeah, you know, but even late. then, even when he found out he was not, like he, the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, it just never. He wasn't ever going to accept his current state as something to deal with. Yeah, maybe necessary appropriately. I was just with a friend's mom uh, in Idaho mm-hmm. who was at. She was in hospice to his home, and she also was kind of a very. It was a very fundamentalist faith, and um, and I love her, and she was. I went to visit her because we got along well. And, you know, one half of the period was dealing with end-of-life kind of mm-hmm. things, like having to bring in a portable toilet and all these different things that you have to do. Um, and the other half, she said, but, you know, I, I do have belief that God will totally hear, heal me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm like, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're going to bring in the portable toilet and, you know, um, yeah. we're going to make sure that you know, we have hospice care. Uh, you know, I was raised with a little bit more utilitarian view of faith, mm-hmm. where it's like pray to God but road toward shore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's nice yeah. to pray to God, but you know, shore's that way. So let's mm-hmm. make sure we're heading the right direction. Mm-hmm. And, and also, just I think being a little bit more. My dad's a doctor, just being a little bit more realistic about a lot of people die from these things. Yeah, my dad was very like, if the doctor is like telling me the cold hard truth, like he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know what They're I mean? mean. <laughs> like, like yeah. so you believe what I believe, kind of thing. Kind or? of like. Like, how dare he tell me that I, I'm not a candidate to live 10 years? It's like, I'm surprised he told you you're a candidate to live 10 weeks, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. easier to to have a scapegoat, to, to be mad at somebody telling you the truth than to 
deal with the gravity of that, yeah. you know? And I do think that if we didn't go to Tijuana, which is, like, weird to say, like, he would have probably been dead within a matter of 10 weeks. For sure. Because the states just weren't, they weren't offering it. I mean, without telling me, they were kind of like, so we just think you should kind of go home and try to gain that 20 pounds, okay? Yeah. You know, and I was like, he's not, you can't even put a tongue suppressor in his mouth. Like, that's how much he's, like, not eating. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Not eating, and then nobody tried to help him eat. And then we got down to Tijuana and they had a meeting in 48 hours. And it was something as simple as like uh, something to coat the inflammation in his stomach and like an uh, antipsychotic med because he was so afraid to eat. Mm. Yeah, but I, mean, I think, but that's treating the whole person. So sometimes yeah. you need yeah. that, that too. That's, yeah, that was what was interesting down there was like their like full approach. Yeah. They're also a Christian hospital and yeah. they believed in like, that the spirit was as important as the body. So while yeah. they were giving them treatments, they were playing worship music. It mm-hmm. was all very like uplifting and encouraging, acknowledging that like if you're fighting a battle, you need to keep your spirits high. Yeah, it's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. That's a big part of who we are. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. If, yeah you, I talked about this a few times too. If you look at placebo, and you know when you do a double blind placebo mm-hmm. study, part of the idea is you're trying to isolate the mechanism that's actually doing something, mm-hmm. which is great. It's a good thing to do. I mean, it's an important part of clinical science. Um, but, but one of the things that's kind of interesting is placebos work mm-hmm. like, you know, 30, 40% of the time. Um, and I always like to point that out when we would be looking at studies like placebo studies and particularly in food and beverage. And, you know, sometimes I'd say, well, look how well the placebo worked here. Why don't we just sell placebos? I mean, they're <laughs> much simpler and easier to make, you yeah, know, and cheaper. they work a lot. Um, which shows just, the connection between our mind and our bodies and that when the just like sparkling water that says this will give you energy yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this gets you really hammered <laughs> mm. um, no but I think that's that's uh, you know treating the whole person looking at the whole person and I think that's part of what you're trying to, to bring to if, if I'm hearing you correctly you know part of your projects are trying to say look you know it's almost like if if Western medicine, the scientific approach, kind of have a very narrow focus on what they're trying to treat and handle and what they know they can't handle very well, like the whole person. Or, mm. you know, when a doctor says, yeah, you know, based on our program, you've got about four to six weeks, yeah. that's a great time to go look at other approaches, other things, and, right. and alternatives. Um, and I think if you go to a church where it's very narrow and very focused and you're not getting treated. Mm-hmm. It's also a great time. It's good to embrace your doubt and your, and your concern and your, maybe your fear and mm-hmm. say, wow, you know, I just don't feel like this is fulfilling me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the other options I should be looking at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that, I mean, you, I think you had, was it, Keely, had you said that, that you had kind of gotten to a point in your journey where you had some abuse, things weren't working well uh-huh. at the church you had, you know, that had given you something at the beginning. Yeah. And that kind of pushed you to say, wait a minute, maybe, you know, why am I here? Yeah. Yeah. And a big moment of that for me was because I did my freshman year at a Christian university, which was kind of even more extreme than the church that I was in because it was a school. I'm sure you can relate. You were kind of a rebel in your own Christian school, but I was just like, (laughs) I was a rebel in a place where it was easy to be a rebel. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's like, like lamps. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's like everyday chapel. And then I was still uh, at the time I had been convinced that if I did have uh, a dream like acting that it needed to be for God and for ministry. So Mm. I was still trying to grapple with that. Um, So I was studying acting at this Christian university where they only wanted us to do scenes from Disney movies, or I said earlier, appropriate Appropriate scenes from Disney movies. Appropriate scenes. As opposed to the inappropriate ones. (laughs) Right. Um, Why does Snow White have seven dwarves? (laughs) Seven? Really? Seven deadly sins? Um, So yeah, that's when I, I just became overwhelmed by the control and decided to buck the system. Why am I here? Why am I following along with all this? Why am I allowing my whole personality and life to be dictated by a group of people who have told me that there's one right way? So it started small. I brought in like inappropriate scenes from Spring Awakening. There was like an S&M bondage scene and me and my friend who has now come out as gay. He wasn't at the time, but... Um, well, he wasn't? No. He wasn't or gay he or wasn't out. <laughs> he wasn't out. When did he decide to be gay? <laughs> <laughs> it's a choice, right? So um, do you also have homosexual, what do you call it? Um, sympathies? Sympathies? I do, I do. I can't help it. <laughs> can't help but think like, that they're I, people. Is that like sympathy for the devil? What is it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, pretty much. You're a Satan sympathizer, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. How dare you have... I think he can redeem himself, actually, yeah. <laughs> he might have fallen, but he's redeemable. He can get back up. Yeah. Who knows, right? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other question. Um, that's like, like if you're going to play the game, that's like, that's uh, one you could dig into. Um, so when you both said, so you both decided at a point where you'd had enough. Well, I, I sh- maybe I'll let you finish that thought. Yeah. So you're, um, so you're doing your Christian acting. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that fair? Yeah, if you can call it's it like that. It's like being a Christian writer or being a Christian, Christian basketball player yeah. or whatever, Christian, <laughs> Christian music. Christian music seems like an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or good Christian music, maybe. Good, yeah, saying, maybe good. Yeah, I mean, Jars of Clay it. had it going on <laughs> yeah. for a while. They had some good oh, harmonies. Gosh. I don't know. Catchy. I think they actually played one of the events that I had to book for at Wheaton, and yeah. I just didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I just wasn't in there. I almost got a reggae band to play at Wheaton, and then I was told that that would be horribly inappropriate because it's a re- it's re- you know religious Tied music. Religious, yeah. yeah, and I was like, yeah, but it's it's pretty cool religion. Like they, they kind of believe in Jesus. Yeah, they yeah. kind of believe in Jesus. Yeah. So, anyways, they, they weren't they weren't down. Yeah. 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 So, um, I guess yeah, that was like the a big moment for me where I kind of snapped out of. I kind of woke up to the fact that I hadn't been my true self for a while and I kept constantly feeling like I wasn't good enough and like I was failing Mm. at at, um, meeting these standards that I was told that I had to be. And um, it just became too much. I didn't feel like I could continue to do it. And especially I, I feel very fortunate in the fact that I've always kind of known what I wanted to do. I've always loved stories. I've always loved performing and acting. I've always felt most alive when being able to like step into other perspectives and connect with people through stories. So um, a big red flag for me was when people were trying to influence that and make me feel like I had to change why I felt I was here mm. to meet why they were telling me people, all people were here. Hmm. Um, so I finished... Or how that looked. How yeah, that how that, yeah, how I had to be... Um, and so I decided to stop being like a people pleaser and that I wanted to do what I wanted to do with my life. 
And you wanted to be selfish. Yeah, I wanted to be a selfish <laughs> sinner who was doing the thing that she felt like she needed to do and to figure out what she believed and who she was. So I left that school um, and moved back to, te- to Texas, went to a party school. It was like the biggest Texas party school State? in Texas. Yeah. In Austin? Yeah. Well, close to Austin. San Marcos. San Marcos. Like 30 miles. It used to be called Southwest Texas State. Okay. And started pursuing acting and theater. And that, I met Micah a couple years after that. Yeah. Is that where um, Southwest, is that where uh, Everybody Wants Some was filmed? Uh, it might have been, but I, I imagine Maybe it not. was at UT. Oh, UT. Okay. Yeah, it was probably at UT. Oh yeah, he's a big Austin guy. Is it? Yeah, it seems yeah. like a lot of a lot of uh, who's the filmmaker? Um, Linkletter. Linkletter. Yeah, Linkletter. A lot of almost almost everything comes out of Austin. Oh, right? oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Including Matthew McConaughey and yeah. yeah. All right. Um. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so so you you decided to stop being a people pleaser. You got shifted gears. You and then you said for like well like for a while you just didn't weren't engaged with kind of faith traditions at all. Is that yeah, right? we were just kind of like on the periphery, which I kind of feel comfortable being in the periphery. Like even when I was in religion, I was on the periphery <laughs> right, of, right. Of, of Christian religion. Like I couldn't relate to mainstream Baptists or, or Episcopalians. Like I would go to my friend's churches and just be like, yeah, this is, this is y'all's thing. Like, yeah, good for no, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't have a denomination that anybody knew about. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had a secret one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With all the answers. <laughs> Very elite. Coincidentally. Like, yeah. Exploded and <laughs> spread across the nation and started weird home churches. Yeah. Um, uh, what were we talking so, about? So how, did you, so how did you go from kind of being out of it and obviously practicing your craft yeah. and becoming... Filmmakers, and you do a lot of work in writing, film production, all those things today, I think, in, in addition to your own projects, right? I think for many years I felt really comfortable just feeling agnostic to some degree. You know, like like I, I knew that like something might be out there, but um, I don't know what, and I'm okay just like not entering the conversation anymore. Yeah. Um, but probably still very tormented inside by what was already like programmed in me. Right. So trying to kind of unravel that and come to terms with that, I've done a lot of therapy, and I don't know if I've really explored as much of the religious ramifications, but just the th- the manifestations of them, I've had to kind of unpack through um, through therapy, and I'm sure that there was a time where where atheism was like a part of my my understanding of the world. It was just like uh. Maybe God doesn't exist. Um, And I I would say that the first time I I ever considered, like, oh, maybe there's something beyond nothing. (laughs) Right. Um, Was, like, doing ayahuasca. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Was, like, oh, okay, either my brain is doing something that feels feels very... uh, Spiritual. Communicative to a spiritual realm. or, Or it is actually... Um, tuning to a spiritual realm, it, it definitely felt like a download of of information that uh, I was seeking the answers to prior, mm. and in that experience was like, oh, I'm okay with dying. Oh, money is not what I think it is, <laughs> and time either, and and all these things that, and oh, healthcare is. 
is up to me. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> well, it isn't... I mean, it, it, psychedelics, especially strong psychedelics, I mean, I think a lot of what they give us is a new perspective on the things we think we know. Sure. Yeah. Right? And I'm not trying to discount the spiritual component of it. Sure. But I think it opens a lot of doors that maybe we had closed. Because, you know, when we're children, we, we're observing everything for the first time almost. And yeah. so there's this wonder and mystery that mm-hmm. we entitle ourselves to. And our brains naturally categorize and and kind of identify and you know kind of put things in their little boxes, and then we're like, oh yeah, fire, rock, tea, you know, tree, whatever. Right. And we kind of lose the mystery, wonder, and interest mm-hmm. unless we decide like later in college to go study, you know, our our arbology or arboreal, I don't know, arboreal, I don't, whatever the study of trees is. And then you'll get into all the distinctions and mm-hmm. all these little differences in the beauty and wonder and mystery of these things you'll start to learn the more you study it the more you don't know about these things right, right. Mm-hmm. um but I, th- I think to your point you know the it's hard to find people who've done a fair bit of you know taking some psychedelic journeys yeah. that don't come back talking about this bigger mystery truth sure whatever god-like thing out there that touched theirs whatever you want to you know there's a lot of terms for it, but right. you know, kind of this God that touched my soul, this spirit yeah. in the universe that touched my being, or however they want to, you yeah, know, define kind of define it. it. Um, most people come back with a sense that there's something bigger than than them out there, yeah. and that yeah. there's this energy that's, you know, that's moving through the universe, and that somehow connects with them. Yeah, yeah. is that is that consistent with with the experience you had, or not really? Yeah, no, it is. It is. It it almost felt like. Oh, this is what death's going to be like. Mm. Doing massive toxins. Yeah. Well, it just it it, it well, for one, it wasn't a frightening trip for me. Yeah. Um, it was a very comforting experience, and it was an experience that felt like it, it felt like eternity, mm. and it felt like an eternity that I would be very comfortable living in. Right. Well, and time changes, right? I mean, time kind of. I don't know how long. How long was your was your trip or your journey? Three hours, probably. And how long did it feel like when you were in it? Mm. Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Didn't feel like time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't quantify it as that. It didn't feel like a minute, and didn't feel like an eternity. You know, it just yeah. felt like. Play, you, like you went to a place that was a bit timeless. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I mean, I've done a fair bit. I, it always seems like when you go into it, you know, looking at your watch doesn't help you. Uh-huh. Right. Right, because you'll look at you'll think you'll have all these wild experiences, and you'll be like, that was a minute. We've uh-huh. got like eight hours to go. Uh-huh. Like, you know, then you kind of start psyching yourself out. You almost have right. to lose your watch and just be in the moment and yeah. kind of appreciate what's, what's, what's going on, right? And it was interesting to me because, like, I'd done mushrooms before, and I had... I had um, I'd only microdosed like LSD a couple of times, so I've never really had like a full experience with that. But whereas like mushrooms was kind of like a continual experience. I felt like ayahuasca, like I could just like open my eyes and be out of it. Not like if I wanted to not be in it, I could just open my eyes and be in this in this room. Yeah. And then if I closed my eyes, then I could just go back into the astral. Yeah, plane. It, would be, it would be like just stepping in and out of like the deepest meditation you've ever like, yeah. but I've, I, I haven't even been able to replicate that within a meditation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. Glimpses of it, yeah. of, of like kind of really feeling like, Oh, I'm, I'm hearing that, that voice, that familiar voice. Hmm. 
So you had audible hallucinations? Or you were connecting to something? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say audible, and I wouldn't say actual commun- like words. So it was like a download. It was like a download. Mm. It was like, what about this? And then this would come in. What about this? And this would come in. Or like an image. Like I felt like for like time or, or, or significance, it was like I was taken to whatever reaches of the end of the, the galaxy of a, of a place I've never seen before. And just to see our galaxy be so small that you couldn't even see the planet mm. and to be like, you're worrying about nothing. <laughs> right. You're worrying about absolutely nothing. Right. So for me, like I came out of that with like worrying about what religion is right and wrong. That's going <laughs> to take me to that place Yeah, is so like these are oh. arguments of people and cultures on this little planet yeah. in the middle yes. of nothing. Like, what are you yeah. doing? What are you worried about? Yeah. yeah. This is the truth is much bigger than that yeah. argument. Yeah. Just like just like go back and like try to love as much as you can because like that's what's going to make your life on that little dot. <laughs> I must stop fighting over these insignificant things, right? Yeah. Like which is such a yeah. backslider thing to say, you know, like yeah. insignificant. What do you mean? <laughs> this is the line that's drawn in the sand. Yeah. 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 That somebody drew, but we don't know who and we're going to fight yeah, over it. But yeah. that line in the sand is making kind of a hell on earth for you. Right. So well, it's literally making a hell on earth for a lot of people. I mean, if you think about the borders, just as a really simple or literal example yeah, of that, yeah, just, just the wars over borders, yeah, right, right. yeah, where I mean, most of the people get along fine until right. until Once there's a we shake hands battle. and know that we're both humans that want food and have to take crap in five minutes. You know right. what I mean? Like, well, the more you travel, I mean, you know, when we built, I built a business with partners all around the world, and. One of the best things about getting out of the United States or out of the cultural groups I grew up with and having to work with people who are very different, right? Who have yeah. different skin color, different, their eyes look different, they speak different languages, they worship different gods, is you kind of find out at the bottom of it, we're all made out of people. Yeah. And so we all kind of want the same things. We just have a lot of different ways of expressing how we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get past all the context and the history and the culture, yeah. You know, the human needs are really similar. Yeah. I think that's why we we hope that we can get as many, like we've had a couple of Jewish friends on, um, and we're trying to get as many different people from different denominations, and we hope we can get some people that are Mm. from Islam and and, and, and as many religions as we can, because we, I think just being exposed to, like, I, I didn't meet my first Jewish friend until I moved to L.A. and I was 20 five years old or something, you know, before I really like put a person behind like, this thing everywhere. That, yeah. <laughs> behind this thing that was taught to me as such like a stay away. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, it's so important to meet people who are different than you and to learn about other experiences because you'll see how much you have in common. Right. Yeah. It's the best part about traveling. Yeah. yeah. It opens your eyes that way. I mean, really living with, with other cultures. Well, it's, what's funny about like you know, people that stay in their places, like, that's why they don't want to travel. Mm. You know, like, yeah. I don't want to humanize them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, if it's them and you, you know, yeah. and then, you know, like in the Vietnam War, you, you know, they'd come up with names, really derogatory yeah. names yeah. for the people they were killing so they didn't have to humanize the people they were killing. Right. right. Yeah. If you can dissociate from them, it's easier. Yeah. My mom, her reaction, this conversation that we had with her this last week where she was bringing up hell, she also said, oh, 
like you guys have got to come back from California because uh, she's blaming our evolving beliefs on the fact that we live in California, which is like, no, was like, their fears when yeah. we moved out here that we would come out here and then become liberal and yeah. believe differently. I've certainly heard that. Uh, you know, a lot of people say that, well, you Californians, you know, yeah, and then you kind of know it's coming, but the, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you mean the, the nice weather and the good food and, you know, <laughs> lack of obesity. Yeah. It's not, it's not all bad. <laughs> We're just trying to get through it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep shoveling snow. Life. But the, um, so as you're, as you're going on this journey, are there other groups that you've tied into that have, you've connected with or that have kind of latched, that you've attracted to your, your uh, not your cause, but to your ideas? I don't That's know if we've, question. I don't know if we've had it, the flare out long enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we've joined a couple like Facebook groups. That's where we met Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, From people who I, I guess predominantly have been raised in evangelical Christianity who have now stepped away and we've started listening mm-hmm. to a few different podcasts from other people who've had similar experiences. And what is it like when you are, don't believe the same as your family and you kind of have to deconstruct what you thought was true. And it's been interesting because, um, it's made us feel like, Oh, we haven't had as hard of a time with it because it's not like we were pastors at a church and had to like, so publicly or, or have like a huge loss of security Mm -hmm. with these change of beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of people from different groups, we want to connect with more people from like, like you said, like all different religious backgrounds to whether or not they're still involved to just see what it was like. And, because I think even relate on. people that yeah. are practicing Christians or practicing whatever their faith is are, will be interested in these conversations. They might feel like they shouldn't be, but I think they still will be. Well, it's I, like Yeah, I think the people who are actually wrestling with the questions, right? Yeah. Who, who aren't trying to just keep that line bury in the sand. Yeah. yeah and bury, bury the questions. And we just don't, we want people to come on and be able to share freely and not feel attacked or like they have to defend something. At the same time, we do want people to come on that are practicing Mm. and be able to talk about their journey if they can talk about it in a way that is encompassing of a wrestling along the way. Mm. Or an you know, acknowledgement. I, I, just, I, I guess I can't imagine there's somebody that was just like, no, I just accepted Jesus, and um, that was that. That was it. I had another question. <laughs> I knew it was no all done question. after that. wouldn't be an interesting podcast. Uh, I just I don't know if it would be... Um, I don't know. Well, you know, one of the a better, so I had a good conversation from my earlier podcast with a friend named Steve Marty, who went, he was, when we were at Wheaton, he was part of the team fun. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and then later he ended up having a you know, problem with alcohol and, and pretty serious. Yeah. Um, like not just casually went to AA, but like literally had to be hospitalized, sure. you know. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, one of the things that he keeps telling me, you know, he, he appreciates the podcast and so probably listen to this. And he gives me feedback, and one of the things he reminds me on a regular basis is that for, and he's really specific, he says, for me, it's not just the spirit of the universe, it's not just, you know, this broad, general concept, it's very specific. Uh It's me and Jesus getting through this together, and it doesn't work without it being Jesus for him. And I think, um, and and I I don't disagree with him, I totally agree that that's how it needs to work for him, Um, and it does work for him that way. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, part of my experience and, you know, I happen to be a, as Pete Holmes called us, calls it a Lord lover. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm cool with Jesus, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, but, um, 
but I've just met so many people that have similar experiences in other traditions that I'm not entirely sure that it always has to be go by that name in order for it to to be effective or to work or whatever you want to call that to redeem in a way. Um, and I kind of think that, yes, you know, maybe in my personal opinion, maybe that is maybe the better version of the truth Uh or one that I seem to resonate with better. Sure. I mean, that makes total sense to me. Like it resonates with you the the best, but like if you were born somewhere else, would something else resonate with you better? But I think that's the point is Mm -hmm. that when you're, you know, like one of my, one of our friends, he's the, he's a pastor at little church by the sea here in town. He said, you know, he went, he grew up in young life and went, you know, went out somewhere to do his, the proselytizing that happens there. And he, he met a person who was a Buddhist and he, you know, had this, he's a nice guy, had started having this conversation and started to go down the, this, you know, the Romans road, which is this structured conversation mm-hmm. around a part of Romans that's supposed to bring somebody to make a prayer that uh-huh. takes Jesus into their heart. Right? right. So he starts doing this and the person says to him, he goes, look, I'm enjoying this conversation. I like you, but do you really expect me out of this short conversation and this book that you're going to show me? To just accept all this and believe it and throw away my entire family's history and right. relationships. And I mean, that's crazy. And he said he had to take a step back and say, yeah, that is crazy. Like, why do we expect that that's actually what's going to happen all the time? Um, well, that moment was more about his ego and winning somebody over to the Lord. Well, what he felt. Right? He's trying to put points on the board. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like the, the other time we, a guy that I was working with was, we'd be driving somewhere and he'd be like, he was Jehovah's Witness, and he wanted to talk to me about his Jehovah's Witness faith, which was fine. And then he'd want to start arguing with me. And, I, and <laughs> what I'd say is, I'd say, "Look, you know, I like you. We're friends. We can have these conversations." But I said, before we get into this big argument, let me just ask you a question: mm-hmm. Were you kind of lost in a drift, and you were looking for like a lifeboat, and you met a Jehovah's Witness, and that's what you clung on to, and that's how you ended up here? And he said, well, "Yeah. How'd you know that?" And I was like, well, that's how people end up in a thing from not a thing, typically. Yeah. I mean, you look at, like, Cat Stevens. You know, he's drowning. You know the story? He's, so mm-hmm. he's, you know Cat Stevens is? He's a songwriter, yeah. singer. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's drowning. He's a famous artist at the time in the 60s. And he says to the universe, you know, God, if you're out there, if I make it to shore, the first religious tradition I meet, I will convert to. And he happens to meet a Muslim, you know, <laughs> the first person he meets. And I'm like come on, God, you couldn't, because you know? <laughs> now he had to change his, you know, he changed his name and he, he did it and he fully did it. And he just started playing again. Like, you know, cats in the cradle, silver spoon, mm-hmm. little boy blue in the man. I mean, those, some of those songs, but you know, he was such a great singer songwriter and it kind of ruined his music career. He did, a, did other things. He started schools. He did some really good things. He's a great Muslim. <laughs> But I was just kind of like, man, we could have had so much great music out of Cat Stevens yeah. if he had just met like, no like an Episcopalian when he got on the yeah. shore or something. You I know? never heard that story. Oh, um, man. But, but, you know, I think, I think people end up, either they end up there by birth or they're lost at sea and effectively sure. drowning and they find something. And I'm not entirely sure that... Yeah, so do we yeah. have to, to just hit rock bottom before... We make a choice, and we have to make a choice. Or does something have to shake us free? Right. I think to your mm. point, like you had said, you know, if we had, if you had stayed in the 
pick a small Texas town that you might have grown up in. Mm-hmm. If, you had, if you had stayed in your small Texas very town, very difficult to break out. I know it's really yeah. hard, yeah. right? Something really has to shake you loose. Versus if you shake yourself loose, you come to, you know, little Armenia, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. you're not really in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not even thinking about it for a while. Mm-hmm. You get married, you're starting to think about maybe deeper truths or why you're doing you're just asking why mm-hmm. and you're surrounded by people with totally different experiences and different truths for the first time and you're like oh and I- yeah and you're writing which requires self-reflection right yeah yeah so now now you kind of have to ask why mm-hmm. is that is that i mean am i is that digging in is that how you got there or is it just it was just nagging things i guess we're kind of talking about this i think it, it therapy was probably step one like i had mm. never examined myself and uh, talked about a lot of things that I needed to talk with someone about someone who was unbiased and who wasn't trying to like the goal of the conversation was not to get me to do anything or convert Mm. or be a certain way it was to to just walk through what I was saying like who are you yeah just listen (laughs) listen they're they're there to let you express it right to help you express it not to tell you what the answer is yeah Yeah. to to help encourage your answer yeah to just provide a space (laughs) right that's the only way I think what you mean to say (laughs) is you love Jesus Uh, yeah so I think therapy and then writing yeah I don't know if I yeah, I think therapy led to storytelling, and, and storytelling was therapeutic for me because it was, it was a way to structurally look at a chapter in my life, and because you know, a story has to have a beginning, a middle, and end, see what I learned or gained from these experiences that maybe were painful or weird, mm. and so then from there, in a way, it's cathartic. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, healing. And that's what we we like to make stories that are we like to make films that are based on true stories, and that means we don't represent ourselves as perfect or sometimes even likable humans. Mm-hmm. Like we hope people can relate to us, but we are not putting out characters in the world that are caricatures or that are flawless people. Like we really think it's important to tell honest stories about our imperfections and our fuck ups and mm-hmm. our our lies and our moments where we're. Yeah, really I think ugly. it's a, a refusal to like present ourselves as perfect, you know, like to take off the mask that get rid we of the sugar coating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I remember my parents would fight a lot on the way to church, and they they fought dirty, and you know, my mom <laughs> would like threaten to jump out of a driving car, mm. and my mom would often say to my dad like, "I am not going to go into that church and put on a happy face," often, and every time we'd get there. And she'd open the door and put on a happy face. Mm. And so I think that example was just like, oh, these people are also very flawed humans. Mm. Broken. And they're unwilling to authentically share themselves with this community for the sake of, I, I, I guess, maybe the people that go there need that. I think yeah. people really need is is the opposite of that. I think they need my mom to go in there without putting on a perfect happy face mm. and be able to say like, you know, we struggle too. We're having troubles in our marriage and we're counseling you, but you know, we need help too and we don't have anybody to turn to. Yeah. Well, I think to your I mean, we were talking about Brené Brown a little bit, right? Yeah. And if you think about, you know, her work in vulnerable 
she started her work in vulnerability, which is, you know, all about the, the strength that mm-hmm. actually comes from being vulnerable, although we think that that makes us look weak. Mm. Right. That's just a lie. And that if we won't be vulnerable, that's where shame, guilt, all these controlling elements mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. take hold, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if I'm hearing you correctly, yeah. like part of what you're saying is, you know, because your parents couldn't express vulnerability in this setting, which is probably because that setting is based on, sh- you know, shame, control, guilt, or at least it's a component of how the bad part of it was managed. Um, I mean, I think those ideas are probably sort of fundamental to a lot of what you're working on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. And that's, it sounds like when I was listening to your podcast, you were talking about a lot of people have issues with shame. A lot of people have issues with guilt. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had that in your own relationship when you got together, bringing that from where you came from, right? Mm-hmm. We all inherit a lot yeah. of these things. And so a lot of what you're trying to show, then it sounds like, is this is how we, we, sh- we demonstrate vulnerability mm-hmm. so that it can liberate you from these other negative things that come when you can't be vulnerable. Yeah. Cause every time we hear stories of people's vulnerability or pain yeah. or shame, we feel less alone. Super encouraged. And so, yeah, it, it's, well, it's I think important it's from to us permission. to make people feel less alone too. Yeah. Like yeah. permission to be imperfect yeah. and it being okay. You know, I think that I know I spent a lot of my life, you know, just trying to be perfect because my parents mm. tried to be perfect wanted me to be perfect, you know, very kind of OCD tendencies in our household and just mm. the terms of like straight sheets and <laughs> stack know. the ammo. Probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> stack the ammo, <laughs> holding your clothes perfectly. Like it, 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 they did come out of something that was kind of militant, militant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that bled into our household. And, and I think, you know, I think that also probably affected my mom's mental health even, even more than maybe she can articulate articulate yeah both both your mothers had some uh is it okay to talk about this yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. both your parents had some bi- but your mothers had some bipolar issues yeah we yeah. had a lot of mental illness in our family my mom's diagnosed as, yeah my mom's bipolar I, my grandfather was on her side was bipolar i had an uncle who was bipolar who committed suicide um you have your mom's bipolar her, her, her father? father committed suicide I don't know if he was bipolar, but he committed suicide when she was like seven, which is probably a contributing factor. And yeah, and bipolar is largely when people have a manic phase they go through, mm-hmm. and then they highs and lows, highs and lows, and yeah. then some depression or some mm-hmm. yeah, anxiety. I bet that also influences our work in the sense that we want to talk about these things and mental mm-hmm. health, and we think it's very healthy to be very forward with how you're feeling and what you're going through, but that's not necessarily something that was practiced in either of our families. My, my family... Well, especially in the past, you just couldn't talk. I mean, if you had... We've had some of that in our my wife and my family, too. I yeah. think most families have some, you know, issues there. And, and like in my great-grandparents' era, I mean, they would put you... They would do shock therapy mm-hmm. and right. things that were pretty brutal. Yeah, my so aunt went through that. She ended about. up committing suicide as well. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I, my great-grandfather did as well. And I think the... When you admitted that they would, there were a lot of derogatory terms associated yeah. with that, and there wasn't a very good understanding of it. And I think it's very hard for people to deal with because it's not like you can. If you have a broken leg, you put a cast mm. on it; it gets right. it gets better. With, well, yeah, Christianity kind of, for in my in my experience, was like, well, we're just going to cast that demon out, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. and yeah, and then the demon comes gonna, back. You know, yeah, Jesus Christ's name, you'll be healed. You know, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of my mom taking cocktail vacations and 
you know, it, it makes it for even rockier road when you're like, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to get off my Prozac for a mm. couple months. And then, and then it really, and yeah. then you're like, I'm not healed. And then like, it's, so what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Which, which probably means you did something wrong. Mm. You didn't believe hard enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, I think now my mom, where she's at in her life, I think she's just succumbed to like, I'm, I'm taking these, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm taking sleeping pills and I'm taking right. effects her and I feel good. Right. Or What's I feel semi good. It can function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, hopefully I think too, people are realizing that, you know, there, there is a real physical side to this. I mean, this sure. is right. Our brains are chemistry sets. And when people yeah. are imbalanced, you know, figuring out the meds and, and yeah. the, uh, you know, the, and the chemistry is a big part of getting back to, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's really called normal anymore, but getting back to a functional state where you can feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. Well, I'm really excited about the work you're doing. I can't wait to see more episodes of Backsliders. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And I will go and watch Home. I haven't watched that yet, but I, I will watch Home. Appreciate and, uh, it. Thank you. Probably watch Talk, too. Talk, yeah. Talk is on Bob Billiams. Yeah, it's on the same channel. Yeah. So if yeah. you find this so stuff. And it's, is it under Bob Billiams on YouTube, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, YouTube.com slash Bob Billiams Productions. Mm. Um, or you can go to our website, BobBilliams.com. It all links back to each other. Is there another Bob Billiams on YouTube? No. No. Okay. <laughs> made up name. So. That's really awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Well, this has been the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Uh, life is not a spectator sport, and neither is Kick Aspirational. I would love your questions, comments, criticisms, concerns. But most importantly this week, whatever you do, please get out there and be Kick Aspirational. <laughs>